couple hours and then we'll be done and then you guys can eat waffles. Yeah, just kidding. I'll be done in just a few minutes. If you guys have your Bibles, why don't you turn with me real quick to Matthew chapter 9, verses 35 through 38. Matthew chapter 9, verses 35 through 38. It says this in Matthew chapter 9. It says, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in the synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. And then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out his workers into his harvest field. God, I just pray that you speak to us this morning, have your words come alive this morning. I pray that you will be exalted and that you will be glorified. We ask these things in your holy name. Amen. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. All right, who's ready to have some fun? I am Michael. I am the children's pastor here, and I got something for all you kids and adults. We're going to have a a little lesson today. We're going to have some fun. I'm going to teach you a lesson about uh, or using balloons today. And I didn't realize I need like a mic stand. Can I like take this mic stand or Evan, can you be my mic stand or go get that mic stand for me? Either way. Yeah. What's that? A mic stand. Okay. Well, while Pastor Evan's getting that for me, we're going to do a little guessing game, okay? I'm going to start describing something, and once you know what it is, I need you to tell me what it is, okay? Thank you. So, I'm thinking of something that flies. I'm thinking of something, you can shout it out if you have a guess. I'm thinking of something that is a flying cat, someone said. I'm thinking of something that is colorful. I'm thinking of something that likes crackers. A parrot, yes! Everyone give Autumn a hand, she got it! And what, what are parrots most known for, probably? Talking, right? Parrots can talk. Parrots can repeat um, something that you say. Yeah, so I'm going to talk about a parrot today. Parrots are known for imitating. Now, you can't actually have a full-on conversation with a parrot because parrots don't talk. Parrots can't understand English or whatever language you're speaking. They can't understand what you're saying. But... They can imitate. That's how a parrot knows how to talk, is, is they just imitate the noises around you. So if you say the same thing over and over again, that's how you, that's how you will know that a parrot um, is talking because it's just saying the same thing that you've said before. When a parrot spends a lot of time with a person, they begin to imitate that person. The same thing will go with us. We tend to imitate the people around us as well. So that can be a good thing or a bad thing. Sometimes we imitate our parents. 
You know, sometimes we'll imitate people that we spend time with. Sometimes we'll imitate, try to imitate famous people. There's lots of, or maybe even our friends or just pe- people that we're, we spend time with. We like to imitate people. And like I said, that can be a good thing. That can be a good thing or that can be a bad thing. If we're imitating bad people, that's going to be a bad thing. Sometimes those people that we imitate can be rude, selfish. They can be all about themselves. And that's not who we should imitate, right, kids? What are the type of people we should imitate? Who can tell me? What kinds of people should we imitate? Good people, nice people, right? Can you think of an example of somebody that we should try to imitate? What'd you say? Thankful people? Yeah, that's very good. And Genevieve said Jesus. Yeah, excellent. Yeah, so we should definitely imitate nice people, thankful people, and Jesus is the total embodiment of all these things. So I made a little parrot here to help remind us of being imitators of Christ. We need to imitate the Lord Jesus. We, don't, we want to imitate like our parents and our friends because that's important because they are, they are as, as long as they are doing kind things and being thankful and nice to others, yeah, totally imitate those type of people. But that's exactly what Jesus did as well. Since Jesus... Jesus had love, he had compassion, he had urgency for people, for them to know about him. And he did it with kindness, and Jesus sees the needs of those around him. He loves all people, and he wants all people to know about him. And since Jesus does that, shouldn't we do that as well, if we're imitating Jesus? Shouldn't we love people, and shouldn't we have compassion and urgency for people to know him? And shouldn't we see the needs of those around us and look and try our very best to imitate Jesus? Just like a parrot imitates. Who can give me a good parrot sound? <laughs> parrot says, Bur-gurk! right? Yeah. Bur-gurk! So, or <laughs> would you... We had a good parrot imitator over there. Who else can do some good imitations? Anybody else got some good imitations? Yeah, Genevieve, what do you got? (laughs) I'm notoriously terrible at imitations, so I am not going to do any imitations. But some of us may be pretty good at imitating. I know there's people that build careers based on imitating other people. And we need to make it our life to be like a parrot and imitate our Savior, Jesus. Third John 11 says, do not imitate evil, but imitate good. In 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, Paul urges the people he's writing to, he says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Now, we can't be Christ. We have Christ living within us, but our job as followers of Christ is to imitate him to do our best to follow him and to show others, hey, this is what Christ is like and imitate him. So while parrots imitate whatever noises are around them, we need to be careful about what we imitate. Be like a parrot 
but be a parrot that imitates Jesus and imitates good. Right, kids? So who should we imitate? Jesus, yes. All right, Evan, you're up. (laughs) Being imitators of Jesus, that's important, isn't it? Being imitators of Jesus, imitating Jesus. Speaking of Jesus, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, healing every disease and sickness. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out his workers into his harvest field. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. It's interesting because when you look at the context of this passage, the, um, it was bursting with compassion and it was bursting with healing. I don't know if you looked at this before, but in, in, the, in the Gospel of Matthew, especially in, Gospel, in, in Matthew chapter 9, it was like Jesus was doing like a, like almost like a machine gun healing, like, like one after another, after another, after another, after Like he's healing people all over, like all over again and again and again. In fact, if you look just here in this passage, just earlier, you can see that he healed a, paraly- a paralytic. He healed a dead girl. He healed a sick woman. He healed two blind men. He healed a demon-possessed person. He healed someone that was mute. In fact, even in verse 35, it says that many, many more were healed because of Jesus. And it just kind of seems like this was his pattern in ministry. You can see this pattern mentioned in Matthew chapter 4. You can see this pattern mentioned in in Matthew chapter 11, where Jesus was, he was always moving. He was going from one place to another, from one place to another. And as he was going, he was walking around and he was teaching and he was proclaiming the good news and allowing himself to be interrupted as well, which is interesting, allowing himself to be interrupted, having compassion on people, over and over and over and over again. Moving around, walking around, teaching, proclaiming the good news, being interrupted, having compassion. Like You, you kind of look at this, and this was, this was kind of the king's mission. This was Jesus' mission to reach people with the good news of the message of, of the cross and, and, and telling people that he had arrived, showing compassion and seeing people. And I kind of like at the beginning there how it talks about when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. Does anyone else ever have compassion? How many of you guys don't have compassion? Raise your hand. Is, is anyone like maybe not compassionate? Like maybe, maybe a few people, Misty, I see you raising your hand. Put your hand back down. You're a pastor's wife, okay? How many of you guys don't have compassion? Kristen, I'm sorry. We'll pray for you. Compassion. You know, I was, I was actually um, going somewhere the other day, and I saw a guy who was on a street corner, and he was, he was begging for, for money. And he was begging on the street corner, and on the street corner, right behind him was a huge sign from Home Depot that said, we're hiring. And I looked at that, and it was hard for me. Like, to be honest, I didn't have compassion. I looked at him, and a lot of things went through my mind. Like, like, I don't know, I don't know what you guys, sometimes I wonder if I have compassion. Sometimes I look at myself and I question whether really 
I moved with compassion like Jesus has moved with compassion. Compassion's, compassion's definition is being concerned for suffering and the misfortune of others or being moved uh, in your inward parts. Like, 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 do I really have compassion for people? Do I really have compassion? Like, am I compassionate? Like, maybe, maybe I am in certain areas, like if it really affects me, but am I really compassionate for people? Like, when I see someone that's hurt and when I see someone that needs something, am I compassionate or am I not compassionate? Thank you, Genevieve. I appreciate that. Sometimes I really wonder if I am. Do I really care? And here is Jesus, and one time after another, after another, after another, after another, he's healing people, and he's showing compassion again and again and again. And you can see his compassion flowing out of him as he sees the needs of people who are around him. And sometimes I wonder, like, am I compassionate? And, and sometimes I think, you know, in Scripture it talks about how, how, um, how the psalmist says, God, search my heart and see if there be any wicked way in me. Sometimes I wonder, God, w- would you just come in and give me a heart transplant? Would you just come in and would you just change me and transform me from the inside out? Because sometimes I think I look at people and I look at situations and I look at them through the lens of my own glasses instead of looking at them through the lens of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, he was compassionate. Are we compassionate? But also he, he saw. He saw the crowds and then he had compassion. I think some of those things, sometimes compassion deals with a heart issue, but sometimes compassion deals with just simply not seeing the things that are around you. Many, um, I should say many years ago, about four or five years ago, we were driving, I was driving a nice white minivan. It was a beautiful minivan. It was a 2003 Chrysler Town and Country. It had manual, uh, manual windows. You remember in manual locks, I was driving a 2003 Chrysler Town and Country. Ironically, this van was given to me. It was a wonderful van. And I'm driving around, and I was get, when we had a Bennett, and we had, I, was, I, I was driving a, 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 a 1997 Ford Thunderbird Coupe, and we had our child, and a Coupe isn't good for kids, and so someone gifted us a van. It was a beautiful van. I was driving it and having a good time. And as I was driving the van, um, I was driving home from work one day, and I saw the brake light pop on. And I'm like, uh, okay, that's cool. And I just ignored it. And I ignored it. I'm like, you know what? It's, it's probably nothing. It's an old van. It has many miles on it. I don't care. Whatever. Lights go on all the time. I remember my dad had an old uh, Subaru Outback many, days that he, many, many years ago that he bought from, a, from an auction. And all the lights were on this thing. So I thought, if my dad can drive a car with all the lights on it, I can definitely drive this van with the brake light on it. And so I, I just kept on driving, kept on driving, kept on driving. And, you know, praise the Lord. I didn't die. But um, about two weeks later, I was driving, and I stepped, on the, I stepped on the brake, and it went straight to the floor. And uh, I realized that I did not have any brakes in my 2003 Chrysler town and country. So luckily, I was able to roll to a stop, and I was able to make it the rest of the way home. But I think sometimes this is indicative of the way that a lot of times we look at the problems that are around us. Like we, we, we know that maybe there's a problem, 
But instead of worrying about the problem, we say, you know what, I'll just ignore it and everything will be okay. But really, our brake lights, and like, like there's a reason why the brake light is on. There's a reason, like there's an issue, like your system's trying to warn you that you might not have brakes in the future. And sometimes I wonder, I guess, like, first of all, am I compassionate? Like, do I actually, like, do I actually care? Is it, is it a heart issue? Like, oh, and, and second, second of all, do, 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 are, like, do, are, blah, 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 blah. Second of all, like, I gotta look at my notes. Uh, am I seeing the need? Like, am I compassionate? But then second of all, am I actually seeing the need? Like, 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 maybe I know it's there. Maybe I understand it's there. Maybe I understand that, like, the harvest is plentiful and the workers are few. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But am I really seeing the need? Am I seeing the need? Or am I closing my eyes? Am I putting blinders on? Ignoring the problem in front of me? Am I seeing the need? I can appreciate that Jesus says this. He says, he says, the harvest is plentiful and the workers are few. Like this statement that Jesus is making is a present tense, but also it's a future tense. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. I, I, I like what the apostle Paul said when he was talking to the church in Ephesus. He said, I pray that the eyes of their heart may be enlightened in order that they may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparable great power for us who believe. I pray that the eyes of their heart may be enlightened. I pray that their eyes might be opened. The harvest is plentiful and the workers are few. The harvest was plentiful back 2,000 years ago and it's still plentiful now. The workers are few 2,000 years ago, and the workers are still few now. Do you see the need? We live in a world that is lost and dying, and a world that is destined for hell. There are people that are fallen, they are hurt, they are in pain, they are in sorrow. Again, people are destined for the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Am I seeing the need? Every person has a name. Every person has a story. Every person has a heart that, be, that can be transformed under the power of the Spirit. Every person is important to God. And God wants us to be, does he want us to be, does he want us to be celebrities? I would love that if that were the case. Does God want us to be rich people running around? Thro- does, does, does God want us to be He wants us to be laborers. He wants us to be laborers. He wants us to be servants working his field. The harvest is plentiful and the workers are few. God has called us to preach the gospel. Hope is found in the name of Jesus. Preaching the gospel. Praying for revival. Are we seeing the need. There are people that drive by our church every day. What, 40,000 people drive by our church every day. We're in a neighborhood of 60,000 people. You are in places every day with your friends and with, with your coworkers. Are we seeing the need? Or are we simply looking at the brake light on our car, ignoring it? Are we seeing the need? Am I compassionate? Am I seeing the need? And am I being urgent? Am I being urgent? It's interesting because the number of the laborers does not match up with the numbers of the harvest. 
and we only have, if we have any farmers here, gardener, gardeners here, you know that there's only a certain amount of time. There's only a specific time in the season when you can reap of the produce. My parents were infamous for planting a big garden and then going on vacation for the last two weeks in August. So they'd plant this big garden. My mom would work it and do all sorts of stuff. And then she'd go on vacation for two weeks and come back and everything was overripe and rotting. It's like, Mom, if you're going to plant a garden, you've got to be home when it's coming due. You have to be home when it's ripe. You've got to be ready when it's ripe. The numbers of the labor does not match the numbers of the harvest. There's a time to harvest. There's an urgency to harvest. There's only a short window in the season to collect for the laborer. You only have so much time before you missed out, miss out on the harvest. You know, this is, what, this is interesting. This is what it says of our life in the book of James. It says, your life is but a mist that appears for a little while. It's but a vapor that appears for a little while and vanishes. And as strange as it sounds, like our church is nothing more than a barn. It's a barn to collect the produce of the harvest. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Are we being compassionate? Are we being... Are we opening our eyes to see? Am I seeing the need? Am I being compassionate? Am I being urgent with the message of the cross of the kingdom? Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out his workers into his harvest field. What's funny is the disciples pray this. They ask the Lord of the harvest. And then if you go to the next chapter in chapter 10... You see that the Lord answers their prayer. How many of you guys would like to have more laborers in the harvest field? Raise your hand. Oh, yeah? How many, how many, how many of you guys would like to have more people work in the fields and more, 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 more crop in the barn? Amen? How many of you guys would like that? Amen? A few of you guys? Maybe a couple of you guys? No, I'd prefer not to harvest. I just want to let it sit and rot like my parents back in Minnesota. How, like, how many of you guys would like more laborers? Amen? Praise the Lord! You hear statistics about, like, the church. You hear statistics about things going down from... You hear all these things. But what's interesting is, he says, ask the Lord of the harvest. I've done this a couple of times since I've been here. I prayed diligently for a youth pastor, and then the Lord brought us one. Yeah. I prayed diligently for a kid's pastor, and the Lord brought us one. I prayed diligently for a worship leader, and she was already here, but praise the Lord. Yes. Um, But what's interesting is that if you go to chapter 10, after they prayed this, who are the people that went out? It was them. Like, they were the answer to their prayers. Isn't that crazy? They were the answer to their prayers. Like sometimes you're praying, you're like, oh, God, please, please, I, I really want you to move in an amazing way. And this is exactly how I feel. And the Lord touches you on the shoulder and says, you are the answer to your own prayer. 
you know? We had a missionary that came a couple weeks ago, and when he spoke to me, I asked him, how did you feel like you were called to where you were called? And he said, well, I was talking to the people that were already there, and he said, how can I pray for you? And the missionary that was already there said, well, honestly, pray that we can find people just like you because we need people that are passionate. He said, great, I'm going to go home and pray for that. He went home and prayed for that. And then it turned, he turned around and he said, oh, my goodness, I feel like the Lord is calling me to go. To, like, he was the answer to his own prayer. <laughs> Sometimes that's the way that God works. Are we, am I compassionate? Am I seeing the need? And am I being urgent? Because there's a time frame to the harvest. Life is but a mist. It appears for a little while and vanishes. God, I thank you so much for this time to come together this morning. I pray that you will just quicken our hearts, Father. I pray that you will move in us in powerful ways. Worship team can come back up. I pray that you move in us in powerful ways. God, I pray that... Um, just your spirit will move in this place this morning. You know, I, I, as I was preparing this message, I felt as if the Lord was giving me a spirit check. And I had to ask myself, man, am I passionate? Am I compassionate for those that are hurting? God, God am, I, am I really compassionate? Am I, am I, am I someone that is... Um, um, am I someone that is seeing the need? And am I urgent with the message of the cross? As we sing this song one last time, God, may your spirit move. <laughs>